is Jen Dunlap with Bright Families Nutrition. Today, we're going to talk about urinary tract infections, more commonly known as UTIs. This is a problem for a lot of women, and a certain percentage of women who get UTIs will then go on to get repeated UTIs. It's not totally clear why, but there's been some research done. There seems to be genetic susceptibility, and there's different other factors like low estrogen that can be noted in these people who are having recurrent UTIs. They're much more common after menopause, but certain other groups like people in perimenopause, the 10 or 15 years or so before official menopause, or nursing mothers who can also have lower estrogen, or people who have other health conditions can also be prone to frequent UTIs. And if you ever had a UTI, you know it's extremely painful. You want the quickest relief that you can have. And in about 1% of cases, it can turn into a kidney infection as it travels upward from your bladder backwards up into your kidneys. And you'll start to feel not just painful and urgent urination, but also a general feeling of fever, chills, lower backache, And it gets to be pretty significant. You know, your kidneys are not a place you want to have an infection. So if your symptoms have escalated up to that point where you're having the fever, chills, backache after it started with the painful urination, you do want to see a doctor, get some antibiotics, or take some really strong herbs that you have on hand and see if you can get some relief. And you don't want to just hang around and wait for it to get better because it could get rapidly worse. If you are prone to urinary tract infections that are just bladder infections, there's a lot of things you can do to prevent them. And even if you have that tendency genetically, you might feel like, oh, my mom got them, my sisters get them, it's inevitable. Well, the tendency is there, but that just means you can do more things and you won't be susceptible to them. It's not quite fair because some people don't do anything and they don't get them, but at least you know what you can do. Let's talk first about how they happen. In your vagina, there's supposed to be a balance of bacteria. These bacteria are supposed to be secreting lactic acid and hydrogen peroxide. And that keeps the environment very acidic. Not quite as acidic as like stomach acid, but pretty acidic. And ideally, that acidic environment prevents the growth of other bacteria. But if something changes... So for instance, if you start douching, if you start having a ton of sex because semen has a different pH than your vagina normally does, if you start drinking a lot, eating a lot of sugar, wearing a different type of underwear, if you get some other kind of infection, if you take an antibiotic for some other reason and that antibiotic kills off some of the beneficial bacteria that you already have existing in your system, if you have long menstruation, and you don't change your pads very frequently. If you're going through menopause and your estrogen gets lower, all of these are reasons that you could have a change in the pH of your vagina that would then make it easier for an infection to take hold. And once that infection takes hold, we know that having a vaginal infection is a risk factor and kind of a predictor of having later bladder infections. And we think this is because, of course, it just migrates upwards, right? It's kind of an open system. And it gets a foothold. So if you have a one-time urinary tract infection, 
probably the bacteria is just floating around in your urine. You take the antibiotics, the bacteria gets killed, and you flush it all out. End of story. But for some people, urinary tract infections become recurrent or chronic. And it can be hard to tell whether it's the same infection that never quite got rid of, or whether it's a new infection each time and you're just very susceptible to getting a new infection. If you have a significant amount of bacteria and it doesn't get taken care of promptly, the bacteria can mutate its form a little bit. It can develop these little finger-like projections called fimbriae or pili. The most common bacteria by far in urinary tract infections is E. coli, which we all know is a kind of a foodborne pathogen. And there is some indication that it may relate to food because they've looked at what kind of E. coli people are getting, and they can track it to similar kinds of E. coli contamination in grocery store meat. But that doesn't really explain why some people get it and some people don't, right? So if this like E. coli gets a chance to have a foothold in your bladder, it'll attach itself to the cells of the bladder wall. And if the cells are at 100%, they can actually eject the bacteria and kind of push it off. But if they're damaged by frequent other infections, then they won't be able to push it off. So the wall is easier to grip onto. So you have this kind of domino effect. You get a vaginal infection, it starts to travel upwards, the infection gets a little embedded into the wall. Then even when you take the antibiotic, a little bit is left on the wall of your bladder still adhering. It has made kind of a colony, which we call a biofilm. And this is a really interesting emerging area of research in treating illnesses because we're realizing that these things called biofilms resist the antibiotics. They make a colony and kind of protect themselves with a little bit of a coating, and they're much more strong that way than they would be normally. So if you have that burning urination, you get the antibiotics, you take them, you feel better, and then a few weeks later, it's back again, it's pretty likely that the biofilm stayed the whole time or some, or you're being reinfected somehow that's, that you haven't figured out. So one of the key ways to treat UTIs naturally is to offer that bacteria something that it wants to adhere to more than it wants to adhere to your bladder. And that's how the, some of the supplements we're going to talk about later work. They provide a certain sugar that appeals to the bacteria. The bacteria release their hold to latch onto that sugar, and then you can pee them out. So just to recap there, you have changes in vaginal pH allowing growth of bacteria, which paves the way for an established bladder-adhering bacteria. And that is our most likely theory about why urinary tract infections become chronic or repeated in some people. So how can you treat this? Well, you want the right kind of bacteria to create the right kind of pH so that things won't migrate up. They get killed, bad things die before they ever make it up your ureter. Estrogen supports lactobacillus, which is the kind of bacteria that we want. And this is why women are much more prone to UTIs after menopause because of course your estrogen goes down. That's the definition, one of the definitions of menopause. So they've done studies where they looked to see if hormone replacement therapy would help these women to be less prone to UTIs. And oral hormone replacement therapy did not make much of a difference. But vaginal hormone replacement therapy, like suppositories, made a very significant difference. With the vaginal 
suppositories, you went to less than one occurrence of a UTI per person per year. Compared with the placebo group, the group that wasn't actually getting any estrogen, they had on average 5.9 episodes per patient year. So that's basically about 10 times more likely to have a UTI if you are not taking the estrogen. So the percentage of women who had E. coli went from 67% to 31%. So basically half, half as many people had E. coli. Now, some people can have some E. coli and not actually manifest the symptoms if their immune system can just kind of keep it at bay. That would be something to consider if you're postmenopausal, if you're comfortable with hormone replacement, if you've tried the dietary and lifestyle things that we're going to talk about and you don't get the kind of relief that you were hoping for, the next step might be to consider vaginal estrogen. If you're a younger woman, if you're not through menopause yet, and you're already having that tendency, it's likely your estrogen is just running low. And that could be because you're nursing and all your hormones are staying low because you haven't gotten your cycle back. Or it could just be that you don't have the nutrients, you're not getting enough rest. Some people's hormonal systems are pretty sensitive to stress and nutrients. You could try a more nutrient-dense diet and try to get more rest. If you're nursing and you're feeling overall exhausted and this is part of it because your estrogen is low and you haven't gotten your cycle back perhaps or it's irregular because of the nursing, you could consider feeding your baby more food as a way to allow your body to have those extra resources to bring your estrogen up to the level where you won't be prone to UTIs. So you have a lot of options. You have to just think through what's going to work best for your situation. So let's talk about lifestyle factors. You probably heard from your grandma. I know I did. Always wipe from front to back. Change your pad every time you're in the bathroom. My grandma was a nurse, so I remember hearing that probably before I even had a period. Those are really helpful. Some people find that using tampons is helpful compared with wearing a pad. Wearing cotton underwear is helpful. And thongs are not recommended because of just the way they kind of hug your body and provide a, a way for bacteria to travel between the different parts of your, your bottom. Pee after sex, drink lots of water, and pee as soon as you need to pee. This is a big challenge for moms. Lots of moms just don't drink much water, period. And they don't go to the bathroom as soon as they need to because, you know, people need them. Or they're in the middle of a lesson or in the middle of a car ride or middle of a conversation and you just don't want to stop. But if you're prone to UTIs, that's not going to be helpful. And um, even I'm not particularly prone. I've never had a full UTI, but I've definitely experienced some pain after I have held it for too long. And then even after I go, it just it can, I can feel weird for a while. Now, as a mom, I've been told by other moms, like, oh, I, I'll pour myself a drink of water, and then the kids say, oh, I'm thirsty, and then the sweet mom hands her kid a glass of water, he drinks it, she forgets to refill it for herself because she moves on to the next thing. So I would say the water thing should be like the oxygen mask spiel in a plane. You put your own oxygen mask on first. You give yourself a drink of water first. Your kids see you drinking water. They ask for water. Then you get them a drink of water. Everybody's drinking water, but you took care of yourself before you got distracted. 
And you can also attach the water drinking habit to different cues. A lot of people train themselves to drink a glass or two as soon as they wake up, drink a glass when they're cooking meals, um, put a water bottle in some place where you're going to be standing still for a minute and when you're going to notice it, or in my case, keep moving things around so I notice them. So if you have a water bottle that you really like, if you like having it cold or lemon or minerals or whatever will make it more rewarding or satisfying for you, a checkbox, or just say for every cup of coffee, for every other drink, I'm going to drink two glasses of water. I seem to need at least two glasses of water for every cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, and nursing moms need a tremendous amount of water. I haven't actually tracked this for myself, but I'm pretty sure I drink a gallon of water every day when I'm nursing. I just you know, makes me very, very thirsty. Another lifestyle thing is not eating too much sugar, right? That's a pretty common thing that we do, especially around holidays. This can contribute to those holiday or honeymoon UTIs. You eat a bunch of treats, you drink alcohol, and you have a lot of sex, and you might forget to pee. All the things are happening at the same time. Your diet choices will affect the acidity of your urine, and that can make a difference how well your urine would allow bacteria to grow. They've noticed that some people's urine just doesn't allow bacteria to grow when they do it in the lab, you know, put a dropper on it, while other people's does. And it was not even clear what all the factors were. It could be just a slight difference in pH. It could be some other factors that we do not yet know to measure. But there are kind of indeterminate differences. Other lifestyle factors, of course, are what kind of food you eat. If you're eating a lot of sugar, that's not good for your overall pH. You'll be more prone to yeast infections, and then you start that whole cascade that we talked about at the beginning. For some people, certain foods, even not sugary foods, are triggers. In Asian medicine, they talk about hot, damp foods as being not helpful for UTIs because they describe UTIs as a condition of hot, damp in the lower part of your body, which is pretty much how it feels, right? Hot, painful, Dampness is kind of their metaphor for infection, when you, and you see that cloudy urine in many cases when you have a UTI. So they say, oh, that just shows the hot dampness. Hot, damp foods are, not surprisingly, things like coffee, black tea, fried foods, chocolate, lots of sugar and dairy can lead to some hot dampness, even tomatoes, vinegar, just foods that are too warming by themselves, even though they're not particularly damp, can be problematic. So some people find that cutting out certain foods does help them to be less prone to UTIs. Now, you might just want to experiment a little bit at a time, and it could be that when you increase your water intake, if you double your water intake, it doesn't matter so much what you eat because there's partly a concentration question in your urine. And if you've just diluted whatever effect you have from your diet by drinking twice as much water, you may be able to have that cup of coffee or have that bit of chocolate and it'll literally come out in the wash or come out in your diluted pee. This is just something to consider. If you're drinking a ton of coffee and you're getting UTI symptoms, it could actually just be the coffee and not even a UTI. I talked to somebody once who said she was repeatedly going in for that burning sensation she got tested and it kept coming up clean and she kept having this sensation. And then she gave up coffee for some other reason and it just went away after a few days. And I've experienced this myself if I have a couple of cups of coffee or maybe a mocha and I don't drink any water. You know, sometimes it's like, hmm, that's a little different. So that's a pretty easy hypothesis to test if you can live with no coffee or less coffee. 
or less tomatoes or less black tea or whatever your the things on those lists are, less fried foods. If you can just make your diet a little cleaner and a lot more hydrated, that could relieve your symptoms a lot. Another way to approach the dietary support is to eat foods that contain lactobacillus, the kind of bacteria that you want in your system. And there's a whole family of lactobacillus bacteria, but the two that have been particularly studied for their contribution to resisting UTIs are lactobacillus rhamnosus and lactobacillus ruteri. So you might be thinking, oh, I know where I get lactobacillus. That's from yogurt, right? That's a really common place as Americans that we get our lactobacillus. So I went to the grocery store, did a little research project to see what bacteria strains are in all the different brands of yogurt at the store. Now, this isn't the most efficient way to get your probiotics, but if you tolerate dairy and you're going to eat dairy anyway, you might as well pick a kind that has the bacteria that you need. It's a really easy switch. So Stonyfield Farms, Greek Gods, Zoi, I think Nusa, lots of brands have rhamnosis. The rutri might be a little harder to find, but at least you're making a step in the right direction. Of course, if you don't tolerate dairy, there's a lot of other fermented things that also contain lactobacillus. If you get those um, Bubba's pickles or sauerkraut or kimchi, then those often contain lactobacillus also. For many people, they prefer to just take a probiotic pill because of the convenience. So you just look for something that contains those lactobacillus rhamnosus and ruteri and go from there, just try to make it a habit. Then you can also take what's called prebiotics, which means certain types of starch that are just the right food for the good bacteria. So prebiotics are generally types of starch from fruits and vegetables that we know are particularly helpful. You can buy those as supplements too, where they've isolated the starches, or you could just eat more fruits and vegetables, which you should be doing anyway. And there are lists of which fruits and vegetables contain which prebiotics, and you can craft it as carefully as you want, or you can just try to eat more of the fruits and vegetables that you already like and you already know agree with you. Basically, they're all good. There's particular ones, artichokes, chicory, green beans, apples, you know, that are going to contribute all different prebiotics. We are still in the process of categorizing and naming and researching all the different fibers that come with plants and have all these different effects and help the good bacteria. So this is far from over. At this point, we know that certain prebiotics, certain types of fiber that come with different types of plants are particularly helpful for the right kind of bacteria to grow. And we know that having enough fiber overall gives a more favorable balance of nutrients in your digestive system that favors the bacteria we want more of and leads to less of the bacteria that we want less of. So that's my little plug for fiber to change your gut flora, to change the rest of your flora, to boost your resistance to UTIs. One particular sugar or starch, depending on how you look at it, that comes from plants that it then becomes one of the most critical supplements for dealing with UTIs or preventing UTIs is a special sugar called D-mannose. D-mannose is common in 
cranberries, which we all kind of know for UTIs. There's a lot of great herbal combo formulas out there, and it's quite likely that the herbs have benefits beyond D-mannose that we don't even really have sorted out and researched yet. At this point, for UTIs, the most active ingredient appears to be the D-mannose, and you can buy D-mannose as a pill or um, just a powder that you can stir into your whatever you're eating. It basically doesn't really have any taste, mildly sweet taste. So even though it's technically considered a sugar, it's not digested like table sugar. It's turned into fructose and then into glucose, which is weird. So it has a low glycemic index. It will not spike your blood sugar um, because it has to be converted before it can be used. And after it's absorbed by the gut, it doesn't go into your liver um, to become glycogen. It's filtered out of the body directly by your kidneys, which is probably part of why it's so helpful for UTIs because it just does its thing going right through your kidney and bladder and out. And remember, the bacteria see the sugar coming through and they want to grab onto it. They want their food. Now, normally we don't want a bunch of sugar in our urine, right? That's what happens with diabetes. That's an unhealthy situation. That can even be a contributing factor for UTIs if your blood sugar is running too high and you have glucose in your urine. But this D-mannose, this is the kind of sugar that we want to have in your urine to lure those bacteria to attach to it, and then they end up hitching a ride right out of your body when you go pee. So as an example of a study showing the effectiveness of D-mannose, they chose 60 women who have had recurrent UTIs, so more, at least three or more UTIs in the previous 12 months, and they assigned them to two groups. One group got antibiotics, and the other group got D-mannose for 24 weeks. So basically a long time, half a year. In the antibiotic group, the average time till somebody got their next infection was 53 days. Not even two months later, the antibiotic group, the average person in the antibiotic group was getting another UTI. In the D-mannose group, the average time before somebody got their next UTI was 200 days. So that's like basically the duration of the study. 200 days, 24 times 7 is less than 200. So this was a successful study of D-mannose. And considering that D-mannose is a cheap supplement and it's commonly available and it doesn't taste bad, you can take it every day. Whereas if you take antibiotics every day, you get a bunch of side effects and the antibiotics might not be effective when you really need it. And there's typically an escalation after you take more and more different kinds of antibiotics, you have to go to stronger ones. Studies like this really indicate that D-mannose is something to try. Even if it doesn't work for you, you've lost very little time and money, and there's, there's not really much of a downside. So D-mannose, this naturally occurring starch, does come in cranberries, obviously, which originally got known for UTIs, and also in apples, oranges, peaches, broccoli, green beans, but not in big enough concentrations to treat a UTI. So if you're eating those foods anyway, great. Just one more reason how those foods are going to be good for you, in addition to all their other nutrients that they have. But if you are prone to UTIs and you want to build a program to resist them, 
you probably are going to need a supplement level, not just a dietary level of D-mannose. So if you go on Amazon reviews and kind of read what people are doing, and also look at the clinical studies, the dose that seems to be effective and well-tolerated is about two grams per day as a maintenance dose. Now, this is a starch or a sugar, and it can affect your digestion when you add a, a lot of a new kind of sugar, any kind of sugar, to your food. So you may need to ease into this dose, and if you just go right into the full two gram per day dose, you could get some bloating and gas. So start with half a gram, go to a gram, go to a gram and a half, which is easy because many times the capsules contain 500 milligrams. So you take two in the morning, two in the evening. If you don't care for swallowing pills, you can stir this into anything. It's going to taste fine. So it works either way. And of course, it's slightly less expensive to buy it as the loose powder. And many reputable supplement brands offer D-mannose. If you find that you're not remembering to take it regularly, but you just end up using it when you have a UTI symptom starting, then you're going to want to go with a higher dose and drink a ton of water, like force the water. And the idea is to really flush it all out of your system. You know, just provide a ton of D-mannose for that bacteria to latch onto, drink a ton of water and pee a ton to get it out of your system. And it can take a few hours to see improvement, but you should see improvement within a day for sure, reducing that intensity of the burning. The next level to consider if you are prone to UTIs and you're doing your D-mannose, but you still feel like it's not quite getting you where you want to go, or if you just feel that your immune system in general is not as robust as it ought to be, if you're getting frequent colds or your colds last longer than they ought to, then you probably have a little bit of a suppressed immune system overall. And that could be stress, it could be lack of sleep, or it could just be some missing nutrients. So some nutrients that are particularly known to be helpful to the immune system are zinc, like zinc lozenges that you would take when you have a cold, and vitamin A, and vitamin D, and vitamin C. So just look at your diet. If you're not getting meat, organ meat, oysters, mushrooms, it's pretty easy to be deficient in zinc if you're not taking a multivitamin. A lot of foods that are rich in zinc are just not a big part of our American diet. So for a friend of mine who was already had the, taking the D-mannose, drinking the water, doing all the other things, taking zinc on top of those other things turned out to be the deciding factor. And we determined based on the way her symptoms would evolve that she not only was prone to UTIs, but there was something a little subpar about her immune system because she would start out with burning pee and a few hours later, she'd be feeling fever and chills. So the time that it took to escalate was really short. It just seemed too short for a young person. So we determined after talking about this back and forth that her immune system overall needed some boosting. And there are many, many herbs that do this. Some safe for pregnancy, some not. Some safe for nursing and some not. So the easiest place to start with something we knew would be safe since she was nursing was to add more zinc to her diet. And um, she just took a zinc lozenge every other day or so on top of her prenatals and multivitamins that she continued to take. And that seemed to tip the balance where she had enough zinc to inhibit the growth of bacteria or just support her immune system in general. Vitamin A and D we all kind of know of as immune support. Vitamin C, um, some people find that 
large doses of vitamin C, in addition to the D-mannose and other herbs that you might take, are helpful for resolving a UTI. Obviously, vitamin C is acidic. Your urine is supposed to be acidic. You can make it much more acidic by eating certain things. So yeah, that's something else you can experiment with. Even just something like those emergency um, bags that has some vitamin C and some B vitamins, it can just help you feel a little better overall when you're coming down with some. It can also make your water taste more interesting. So if you're trying to force a ton of water in your system and you put a little bit of one of those packets in, it can just help you keep going with all that hydration. So I hope this has been helpful, an overview of how this happens, how it becomes chronic as you go from bacterial infection because of perhaps altered pH, paving the way for the bacteria to survive in your vagina, then travel up, get their way into the bladder, feed off of what's in there. And then of course, in some cases go up to your kidney and then lifestyle factors that make a difference. All those good habits you heard about, you've all, probably all read about those. And then your diet makes a difference in terms of its sugar and fiber content and how that alters the bacteria and your immune system. And then lastly, supplements that can help specifically target these bacteria as they exist in your bladder, such as D-mannose, and general immune-boosting supplements such as zinc and sufficient amounts of vitamin A, D, and C, and other vitamins that you can easily get in a good multivitamin. And of course, drinking a ton of water or other liquids that are not dehydrating you and not coffee or tea, peeing regularly as soon as you feel the urge are the two biggest habits for avoiding UTIs. So good luck. I hope some of this has been helpful. Please visit my webpage, brightfamilies.com or our Facebook page for more resources and ideas and a transcript of this podcast. Take care. Mm-hmm.